welcome to the Live Right Learn podcast, where we are learning and growing together through stories. And speaking of stories, this week we're going to hear chapter two of Finding Gideon. So if you don't know what that is, you might need to go back to the last episode. Um, I've been working on a memoir for over a decade, and I am finally working my way towards release. And along with that, I wanted to start reading. Now, so this is before it's been sent to the editor. It is subject to change a little bit, maybe even a lot. I don't know, Um, but I'm pretty sure just a little bit. But anyway, so today I'm going to read chapter two. But before we get going, um, I have two things I want to share with you. One, just a request for prayer. Uh, My horse Silas has been having a lot of issues. He's been sick off and on. And to be honest, this past Saturday, I was meeting the vet and I thought we might be putting him down. Like it was I really wasn't sure um, because he just, the the day before he got to the point where he could barely even walk, (laughs) like no joke, he could barely walk. And I was thinking like, I could barely sleep that night. So I was thinking I waited too long. I should have just done it. This isn't kind. Like I'm not being a good animal mom. And I get to the barn Saturday uh, to take care of the horses before the vet got there. And he was back to normal, like no joke, back to normal, Um, a little bit sunken in. Uh, and his flanks and stuff. Cause he had had a rough week, but, um, I was back out at the barn. I mean, I'm out there every day cause I take care of him, but I exercised him for the first time today, just a little bit on the lunge line. He's walked trot cantering. He looks a little funny, but, um, I mean, overall he's choosing to canter. I didn't ask him to do that. So anyway, it's just, it's been a hard week and I, and there's just a lot of highs and lows going on. And then his he shares the barn with one other horse and I've known this horse was leaving on the 12th for a while, but Silas's health has been so up and down. And I put out a post on Facebook to see if anyone wanted to join me in the barn. And so far I haven't found anyone. And I kind of thought, well, maybe it's because Silas isn't going to make it that long, but today I got to the barn at nine and the pony had already left and Silas is out there alone. And so I'm just in this weird place. Uh, we need to find a friend for Silas. He can't live by himself. And I love this barn and I love having him close to my house, um, especially since he's been sick and I've been trying to take care of him. And if he ever gets better, I wanted to have him close to my house so I could teach lessons to little kids on him. But we're just kind of in this limbo and it's just weird. And I'm uncom- very, very uncomfortable for everyone, I'm sure. Um, so if you could just pray for Silas. And then on a more positive note, I joined like 10 group promos this month for authors. Basically, it's authors giving away free short stories, novellas, basically just giving away a bunch of stuff. Um, and so if you like to read, make sure you are on my newsletter You can unsubscribe whenever you want. It doesn't hurt my feelings, but the newsletter does give you updates for podcast episodes, um, the memoir, but also I am posting a ton of free stuff. So the the way it works is you, you do have to join people's newsletters. It's how you get to know the author. But again, if you don't like the book, you just go unsubscribe from the newsletter. It doesn't hurt anyone's feelings. They don't even know who you are. Um, So you just go make sure you're on my newsletter and to get on there, you just go to liveridelearn.com and this little pop-up will come up. Uh, join my newsletter for a free short story. So you get a free short story from me just from joining. And then I'm going to be sending out a couple emails for the rest of the month that just have tons of free books in them. You just click on the links and it takes you to like lists of 
covers that you can click on to get the free book. So I've already gotten several for myself. I'm thoroughly enjoying one called, I think it's called horses for Christmas or something. And it's a book of short stories. And the lady is British and she's hilarious. She told this story about her horse. It was a true story. Apparently her horse getting loose in the sanctuary at mass. And it is hilarious. So anyway, you got to check these out. And then there is one that is not free, but it's called ponies for Christmas. And it is just all these horse books collection of Christmas themed horse books. So anyway, there you go. All right. And we're going to dive in to finding Gideon. Are you ready? If you again, haven't listened to the first chapter of finding Gideon, just go ahead and pause real quick and go back to the previous episode of the live, ride, learn podcast, where you can hear chapter one of finding Gideon, because now we are diving into chapter two. Are you ready? Okay. Quick recap. Wait, I don't want to give a recap in case you haven't heard. Okay. I just turn it off. If you haven't heard it. Okay. Go back and listen to chapter one. Here we go. For the people who have listened to chapter one, quick recap. I had a bad accident on the track. I'm laying on the track. And then I just reminisced about the time I got my first horse. Here we go. Sarah. Oh God, Sarah, are you okay? Craig's face popped into my sky view as he leaned over me. Everyone from the trainer's box made it to the far side of the track where I lay dazed. Craig, Robert, and a third guy squinted at me, trying to survey the damage. Stoically, I allowed them, invaded, embarrassed, and helpless, as if I could do anything to push them away. My teeth were jagged shards next to gaping, gummy, and bleeding spaces in my mouth. They pushed on swelling lips that oozed blood. When I was a kid, my dentist, Dr. Boltler, finished every appointment saying, Sarah, you have such beautiful teeth. My inside shriveled at the thought. I never believed him, convinced they were too big, like chiclets. A search party was underway for the shiny bits of bone, unceremoniously ejected from my mouth. People milled about, scuffing their feet in the dirt that must have told its own tale of the fall and the tracks we left. Someone called the ambulance. Robert hung close, my safety blanket, a piece of home. I met him back in Mississippi through a mutual friend who knew I wanted to ride racehorses in Kentucky. Robert took me under his wing like one of his own nearly grown kids and gave me my first gallop on his horse, Gigi. We trailered her to a backcountry track with a splintered wood rail in the middle of nowhere, Louisiana. I had pulled the stirrups up as short as they would go, like the jockeys I'd seen on TV. When the gray mare started galloping, I couldn't find the same balance hovering over the horse like the other rider on the track. I tried clinging to her mane, leaning forward, sitting back, but none of it worked. Halfway through the gallop, I took my feet out of the stirrups and sat, legs dangling as if I was bareback, her muscles and expanded and contracted beneath my blue jeans. I was a tad embarrassed, overwhelmed, and grateful, and I fell in love with that little great mare. Craig rubbed his hands along Red's body, checking for obvious injuries, before asking Ryan Bryan to deliver the horse to his barn. The trio walked away from the chaos, all three heads lowered. Bored and curious riders trekked around the oval on foot to see the holdup. They lined up and one at a time leaned over me, blocking the wide blue sky I was laying under. They squinted their eyes to see the damage under the darkness their own shadow created, then brought their hands to their mouths and rushed off like they were fighting to hold breakfast in. I wanted to shout and wave my arms. Hello, I'm human here, not a corpse on the side of the road. The other rider from Craig's barn was part of the procession. She didn't talk to me. I was a spectacle, a crunched car on the freeway. We had ridden together for two weeks. She was on a horse next to me the first time I truly galloped, hovering over the horse's withers, hands pressed into his neck as the hoofbeats created the music that matched the melody of my heart. I wanted to punch her in the nose to see if she would notice me then. Instead, I shifted my eyes to the side as if I was the problem, sunk into a numb calm, vacant, 
I imagined my spirit lifting from my body and looking at the scene from above, like in movies. Then it hit me. What if I was more hurt than I felt? Didn't people sometimes have life-threatening injuries after an accident and not realize it? I'll not imagine my death. We waited for the ambulance. Occasionally, Craig leaned over and assured me it would be okay. I nodded and tilted my head to the side to spit out more blood. Robert hovered over to check on me, but didn't say much. His jaw jutted and sweat streamed from graying sideburns. They'll do surgery at the hospital and have me fixed up and back to normal in a couple of days. It'll be okay. God, please don't let mom and dad bring me home, I pleaded. I thought about the summer history class at the University of Louisville I would probably miss this week. Who would take care of my dog, Sandy, who waited for me back at the apartment? How would I break the news about the accident to my parents and boyfriend, Joey? Or would someone else have to? I wish I was with Gideon. We had the relationship I had always dreamed of when I imagined having a horse. It took four tries. Three other horses who I loved but outgrew. Misty had sounded like a match made in heaven to a 12-year-old girl. I mean, she arrived with the name of the hero in my favorite childhood book. But repeatedly, she found ways to drop me until one day she threw me onto a slab of concrete. Miss Brenda declared it was time to move on. Henry was next. He was a handsome chestnut with a white star who loved having a girl of his own. When I stepped off the school bus at Harold Farms, I'd walk out to the pasture and do our whistle. It started low until I narrowed my lips and finished with an ear-piercing shrillness. He would lift his head, eyes wide, and trot across the great big pasture to see his girl. But I grew as a rider and wanted to be a competitive barrel racer. On the way home from another disaster of a run, Miss Brenda turned to me, her wet and wild hot pink lipstick highlighting the downturn of her lips. I know you love that horse, but if you want to be a great rider, it's time to move on. When you're learning to ride, you outgrow horses. Your family can only afford to keep one horse, which is fine. It's part of life. So you need to choose between keeping Henry or becoming a better rider. I loved that horse, but I dreamed of being good enough to ride all the horses. Henry went to a new home and Dixie Sugar Bars entered my life. Dixie was a beautiful Bay Roan quarter horse mare. She had this stunning coat of white and red hair covering her body like someone had sprinkled her with salt and cayenne pepper, but her legs, mane, and tail were a dusty black. She was awe-inspiring to look at and as hard-headed as they came. When she ate, she attacked her grain, then pinned her ears circling the stall and threatening the walls and the flies or anything else that would even consider approaching her food. In ninth grade, drawn by the allure of the jumping world, I left Miss Brenda's and moved Dixie to the local hunter-jumper farm. My horse hated it. She was miserable and challenged everything I asked her to do. Even something as simple as cantering a circle or backing up became an argument. She careened around the arena like we were at the Indy 500. And when I demanded she slow down, she hopped around like an aggressive rabbit. Sometimes she planted her feet and refused to request as simple as backing up. I called Miss Brenda in tears. She had taught me everything I knew and I needed her advice. After talking me through my woes and the tears had dried up, she asked if I could farm sit for a week at the end of the month. Hey, while you're here, there's a chestnut horse you should look at. He'd fit in real well over at the hunter jumper barn. Looks just like the kind of horse they want. Someone abused him around the barrels and he's so anxious, he needs to change jobs. Okay, I'll come farm sit and check him out while I'm there. I wasn't eager to be rid of Dixie, but I'd give this horse a chance. We call him easy, Miss Brenda followed up. You know, there's power in your words. If I'd heard that once from Miss Brenda, I'd heard it a thousand times. There's power in your words. It was a busy week with 30 horses to care for after school. There was hardly time to slow down around the chestnut. But one day, I pulled my barrel saddle out of the trunk and took a few minutes to try him. We walked and jogged around the sand arena. 
It was the two of us at a barn that normally bustled with activity and melancholy happiness settled over us. Their frustrations over Dixie lightened, sitting on a horse who seemed happy to have a rider. He would fit well at the jumper barn with his long legs and lean muscular body. He was drool worthy with white stockings stretching from his hooves to his knees and a big white blaze covering the middle of his forehead down to the edge of his bottom lip. Riding hadn't felt right in months, but this felt good. Change was in the air. The next week, Miss Patty, the trainer at Winterview Farm, hooked up her horse trailer and drove the 15 miles to Harold Farms. Winterview was picturesque and well-maintained. Evenly spaced trees lined the road to the barn, and a paddock by the sign housed very well-fed, expensive jumping horses. As we pulled up to Harold Farms, the place where I spent years becoming a horsewoman, the edge of the property featured a house trailer. Four long, narrow, and boggy paddocks held muddy horses teetering on dry mounds in the center of their fields. Their hair was matted from being rained on, then air drying, and I silently cursed them for not hiding under their sheds. Biting my tongue, I kept my eyes focused on my knees and my mind on the trade papers, not wanting to cause or draw any insults to the sad-looking farm. Just because I left didn't mean I didn't love it. I signed the trade papers while Miss Patty unloaded Dixie, my heart heavy and slow as I handed her off to Miss Brenda. I had prayed over this, and it felt right. Not easy, but right. The chestnut horse with four stockinged legs, a white blaze, and a little white around the edge of his eyes stood on a mound of old hay. A 10-foot wide ditch across the center of the paddock. It smelled like hot mud and horse poop as the sun shone on us, and little birds swooped and chirped in the sky above. With a halter on my shoulder, I surveyed the mass amounts of slop and regretted how bogged my boots would soon be. Taking a reluctant breath, I stepped through the gate and into the shallow mud on the edge of the paddock. As I lifted my foot to move into the deep muck, I heard a sucking sound from the other side of the ditch. I glanced up to see the chestnut had abandoned his dry mound and was lurching towards me. The mud sucked at his feet, making each step a monumental effort. When he got to the ditch, he dropped his head and blew a loud snort at the water, sending a spray of tiny droplets and creating little rings that expanded until they disappeared. He looked up at me and then back to the ditch, shifting his weight from one leg to the other and then looking at me with nervous eyes. He rocked back on his haunches and leaped across the expanse of water and into my life. I never left that spot by the gate as he walked up and touched his forehead to my elbow. Hey, easy. I slipped the halter over his head as my heart grew. I whispered into his ear while we walked to the trailer. Welcome to my family. We're going to have fun. And I think we should change your name. What do you think? He bumped his forehead into my arm again and a smile stretched across my face. A bond snapped into place. I was his safe place and he was my dream come true. All right. I just realized what a short chapter that is. Okay, everyone stay tuned. I am going to try to bring you chapter three next week. It's going to be a little bit of a longer chapter, Um, but thanks so much for checking out chapter two of Finding Gideon. Again, if you want to stay in the know, be sure to join my newsletter and you just go to liveridelearn.com and a little box will pop up that says join my newsletter. And in the new year, I'll be doing a Kickstarter just to help cover the expenses of producing an excellent product with fantastic editors and a beautiful cover design and all the things that go into making a great product, something that you would see on the shelves at Barnes and Noble. So anyway, be sure to stay tuned for that. And thank you so much for being a part of my journey. Have a great day. Don't forget to have grace for yourself and grace for others. Bye y'all. Today's 
episode of Live, Ride, Learn is brought to you by Streamhorse TV. Streamhorse TV is the premier international digital community where horse enthusiasts come together to expand their horizons in equine sports and culture. Streamhorse TV is elevating equestrian entertainment, increasing accessibility, and boldly uniting the global horse world, celebrating the horse as our beloved common thread. Follow the herd over to Streamhorse TV for their groundbreaking free video series, articles, and the Streamhorse TV guide. Subscribe to Streamhorse TV for free at www.streamhorse.tv and follow them on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Streamhorse TV. So very mystical, buried on top of the bone.